Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. So welcome back, and we are speaking to the um, four survivors, and there were others as well, who were part of the Nature of Healing, surviving the Mohawk Institute. Between eight, the Institute was opened in 1831 and closed in 1970. It is the longest running, and I believe the largest in all of Canada. And... So let's take it back to um, Grandmother uh, Dawn. And Grandmother, I I know that they have been doing some searching, some ground searching. Do you have any updates on that or can you tell us anything about that at all? Well, yes. um, Actually, all of us are part of the board for the Survivor Secretariat looking for um, the bodies or burials. We, at this stage, have done a lot of, not we personally, but have hired people who are knowledgeable in that type of stuff, the GPR and the LIDAR and other things, other methods of looking. Um, And I think the biggest thing that we have found out as a group is that even though you have, you know, the grids all scanned and everything else we don't have a lot of people in canada who can actually read that data and so that's kind of a it prolongs the process until we can get that get something concrete i mean we have heard of uh, anomalies but you don't know what an anomaly is until you actually have to dig or do something like that because they're um it could be anything. It could be a dead dog. It could be a pipe. It could be anything. It could actually be a burial. But to that end, we haven't had any result yet. So we're all just learning about all of this stuff. And um, I think the big thing is that <clears throat> um, at one point we thought there was only 57 um, children that were actually unaccounted for. But now that number has uh gone up to be in the 90s you know so like there's a lot of people doing research and listening to the stories of survivors or even what's recorded in um some of the documents that have been handed in or through the files so it's a long process but and i know it's going to be a while going on still and right now i can only tell you that um uh we're continuing the search uh through um, the area that once belonged to the residential school and like the surrounding farm fields and everything else where all the buildings were back from the 1800s. So a lot of that has to be scanned yet. And uh, I guess we're we're going to have to wait. And right. and Grandmother Dawn, do you know the total acreage that the Mohawk Institute had? It was originally, I think, 650 acres. Wow. That and. That's a lot. That's a lot of land to have to take a look at to find our children. And 
I guess my question would be the the process of it and sticking to that process and really until every possible child. Now, I was also told that um, there are trees and there are homes, there are businesses uh, built on those areas. Can you speak to that? Um, yeah, that's one of the problems, actually, because everything is so overgrown. I mean, we we did a um, we had a meeting just the other day about overlaying maps from the 1800s up to the present day. And you can see how the the landscape has changed, how the homes are now built up around that area. What used to be farmers fields might now be a residential area. So those are the big problems that we have. And although we have asked and we're supposed to be notified if somebody wants to build, sometimes the builders just go right ahead and do it. So that becomes an issue uh, for being able to scan that property. But if they if people followed the builders or construction people, followed the actual protocol and got our guys to come out and scan it before they built there wouldn't be an issue because if there was, we, you know, they would have, if they found a body there, then we'd have to stop. They would have to stop building. But some, not all of them follow those procedures that they're supposed to be following. So, so in the Brantford area, within that 650 acres, there are homes built on, uh, on possibly on top of children. Actually, there was a picture um, somebody had sketched a picture from, I don't know, it was the late 1800s or whatever. In one of those pictures, you can see where there were crosses. It obviously was a burial ground. Um, but now there are some houses built on that area. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. So I'm thinking, well, okay, they built right over it. And there are, um, sometimes we have found, not we, but people who are investigating or digging, or sometimes it's just people building homes. Uh, I know of one case, and I can't mention other than about where it is exactly, there was a body found. However, it was not a recent burial. They think that it was um, uh, from the 1800s or maybe even earlier when the Native people all settled in that area. So, um, and I have to mention this too, that um, we have changed from um, a criminal investigation. It's no longer called a criminal investigation for the simple reason there's nobody to charge. Right. And they, they have, um, the OPP had said, well, if there's nobody to charge, we can no longer go further. But we've now handed that over to the Ontario coroner's office and he, Dirk Heyer. And he has um, been very helpful and very accommodating to us to help us with this, uh, the burials, with if there is one, and, and he's got our back. He's really, really good about um, helping us to understand the procedures and what, must, what it all entails if there is something there. Okay, excellent. Thank you for sharing that because that's information that um, we, it's up-to-date information. So we really appreciate that for sure. Um, now... <sighs> I wish we could speak for hours about this, and unfortunately, we we can't. I would love to, and maybe in the future we can continue to have this conversation and to understand the lived stories, the trauma that affected 
small children, children who have lives, children who have families, children who live in communities. And this, what has happened, they does not just affect an individual. It affects families. It affects communities. It affects generations. And I will never think that Duncan Campbell Scott's plan and the government's plan uh, worked because I have four survivors sitting in front of me right now who are thriving, who are living lives, working through their journeys of trauma that was held inside of them and willing to share that. And really that's going to be the end result of reconciliation one day. We will not see it. It will take seven generations for healing. And I just so um, respect and am honored to be able to um, hear and to help you as listeners of the Muskoka area which is a traditional territory of Indigenous people, to understand. And I think we need to stop saying sorry and start doing the action, which we know that needs to happen. So this is part of the action. This is not reconciliation. This is reconciliation. And so I so appreciate each one of you, Elder John Elliott, Grandmother Don Hill, her sister, grandmother, Roberta Hill, and grandmother, Shirlene Bumbery. They did not kill the Indian and the child. They did not. And so I just want to say um, we are, as a Huntsville community, so inspired by you. I'm inspired as an Indigenous woman con to continue on. Um, and so I just appreciate you being here, you sharing so openly, and that... If you, as the community of Huntsville, want to hear more, contact Hunters Bay Radio at 88.7 and let, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear.